writers, agents, and publishers, for the first time since the Gutenberg Press, find themselves lost in a maze of mystery as technology alters the shape of the publishing industry. Searching for Answers is a group of writers throwing pop culture, writing, and publishing into a crucible of clarity, passion, and humor. This group is the Right Pack. Welcome to the Right Pack Radio. This is David Allen Lucas, your host for Right Pack Radio. I am an author of mystery, science fiction, and horror, as well as poetry. Today we are going to talk about, are you a pantser, are you a plotter, are you a combination thereof, and does it matter? With me today is... Kathleen Kayembe. I have published uh, Gay Romance under the pen name Kaseka and Vita with Less Than Three Press. They're amazing. Check them out. Uh, Matt McGraw. I, I'm an amateur writer. I write short stories mostly. Uh, and I'm also working on a book called Patrick the Spider, which is a picture book with my cousin, Jennifer Stolzer. I'm Melanie Kulaney. I write uh, sci-fi and fantasy. And I'm just going to say I'm I'm a plotter that's trying to do pantsing and doing a bad job pantsing. Uh, my name is Jennifer Stolzer. I'm, I write fantasy. I'm also an illustrator, currently illustrating a book about spiders, <laughs> with my cousin Matt. Brad R. Cook, author and publisher, uh, Blank Slate Press. We're currently open to submissions, so if you've got anything literary out there, send it my way. I am a steampunk author, and my book Iron Horseman will be coming out in November. I'm T.W. Finley. I write historical fantasy and science fiction, and I'm the author of the Zero Time Chronicles. I'm Fedora Amos, president of Greater St. Louis Sisters in Crime. I write historical fiction, Victorian era in Victorian St. Louis, and the occasional urban fantasy, though don't ask me why. <laughs> as before today, we're going to talk about pantsing versus plotting. In my quest as a writer, or in my journey as a writer, I've actually had to go from being a pantser to a plotter due to things which I have to deal with outside of my writing career. And it's been a very, very, <laughs> very Herculean task to get there. But I think I'm finally there. What is your opinion, I ask of the entire right pack, of plotting versus pantsing? Can somebody be a plotter and be able to pants a story like Melanie is talking about? Can they be a pantser and plot? Is plotting, not having a plot itself, but plotting out the plot important and why? Should we go around and... and real quick address what we all are by nature. Oh, and put ourselves plotting, on teams. What plotting teams. and dancing are as yeah. we define it. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to need all idea. the plotters on this side, or plotters on that side, <laughs> pantsers on this side. Is this shirts and skins for plotting? <laughs> as long as this doesn't turn into Twilight's team, uh, Edward team versus Jacob team. all the way. Yeah. Team Bullet. No, I don't know what team that means. I'm team oh, plotting yeah, team all the way. <laughs> 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 Kathleen, why don't you describe the Plotting versus pantsing. Yeah. All right. As far as I have always heard it, plotting is where you have plotted out your novel. You know basically where it's going. And I'm using novel in this case because with a short story, it's usually less important for you to have mapped out where the story is going and who's doing what and when and how and where. So plotting would be um, character goes from point A to B to C to D to E. And you know this ahead of time their entire journey, or most of it, from A to Z. Pantsing is where you kind of let the story 
drive the car. Um, you start with character A, and you don't know where you're going next. You just kind of... Go by the seat of your pants. Yes, you are flying by the seat of your pants. And I'm going to say both methods actually are valid, whether or not you... Whether or not you want to, some people want to consider that or not. Let me use an example of Panzer, and that is Moby Dick. Um, Herman Melville started off. I am Herman Melville started off with I am Ishmael. Gets into the story, and then he discovers he's got a better character to talk about, and which is Captain Ahab, and ends up being that entire story. So now, with that throwing out there after your definition, let me go ahead and go around the table and say, find out who is what. Uh, I am a wholehearted Panzer. Uh, I don't. I like to just kind of sit back and let it happen. And uh, yeah, that's the side I'm on. Fly back and think of England. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm that's definitely so a plotter, but it doesn't mean I actually follow the plot. So, you know, once I get into it, if the story is going someplace, I'm constantly revising the plot. I am trying to write something as a pantser. I still have a general idea in my head where the story is going, and I'm running into the problem that I'm writing scenes and they're boring because the pacing's all wrong. And this is me trying to be a pantser, as in the pacing gets messed up. Uh, I'm definitely a plotter. I said in earlier episodes that I need to know the ending of my book before I start, or else I can't. I don't have anything to work toward. I'm a goal-oriented sort of project manager. So I plot. I actually have my novels uh, plotted out on my bedroom door in sticky notes. <laughs> before I get started on any book, I make sure that I've got... I, get, I have a sticky note party where I get different colored sticky notes, and I go through the A story, the B story, uh, and setting in character points... Chapters 2 in this case currently And just do a big line, sticky notes On my door, and I can look at it And think about what the story's going to turn into Okay, well that's cool Well, I've probably, That'll be something to get into later The different kinds on, of plotting Put a picture um, up on the Facebook page later Yeah, yeah. I'm totally team plotting um, I totally uh, start an outline I have one for every book It's not like 35 pages or anything crazy like that um, But then I always find that no matter what I do And no matter how often I plan There's some elements that will shift and change uh, There might be s- scenes that get reordered or something like that But it allows me to see the entire story arc in one central place I am definitely a pantser I would like to be a reformed pantser <laughs> However... You know, it's so natural for me, and I think uh, I've tried to figure this out a lot of ways, and I, I think it may go to my personality type. I'm a Myers-Briggs INFP, which uh, that P is the perceptive part, and I'm, I'm just kind of free-flowing with stuff. And you look around my office, you can tell it. If you know the characteristics, you know there are piles of junk all over the place, but they're organized to me. Mm-hmm. And I think my brain is kind of just kind of works that way. I try, I have tried forever to mold myself into something that other people want me to be. Because, like in college, you know, they want you to give your outline of your thesis and everything beforehand. I always had to go and do it afterward, <laughs> so I would have an outline because I could never do it. I could never do it. I always had to write it and then come up with the the rest of it. So that's Well, I am neither one, really. I'm sort of an odd hybrid in this entire mix, I think. I need three things before I start a book. I need to know and visualize the black moment, the place where it looks as though the heroine cannot possibly survive. How the heck is she going to get out of this? I need to have that visualized, and that's what I work toward. I also have to be able to see where the thing starts. I have to visualize the first scene. Then I need one more thing before I can start. And that is to know exactly when it happens. Because I'm going to let history give me a good outline of what happens in the background by using 
a particular week in history, and I use everything that I can from that, what's going on in the news in the world, and what the weather is like, and how that influences the story. So that's kind of the outline that I go with, along with the beginning and the black moment. Okay, well, I'm glad that we are sitting next to each other, oh, because... Well, thank you. <laughs> you guys didn't say what you are. That's right. I didn't yet. No, I didn't. Take your team. She's working on Take it. Take your team. Thanks for being interrupting, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I am apparently a non-speaker. Anyway. We love you. Go on. <laughs> okay. I am also um, a hybrid. I'm mixed, I was going to say. Um, I need a direction. I need a sense of direction. So while I love writing little ficlets, like, is what I call, um, stories that I just start and go and see where they go, but, like, they're really short. Like, more than a hundred words, maybe, but definitely less than a thousand, and they're just for fun. Those I don't need to, to plot necessarily, but if I realize a story is growing its own world and everything else, and it's going to be longer, then I need to do some plotting. Not a lot, because once I know where a story is going entirely, I get bored. I've already, you know, it's done. Done. Don't need to do it. No need to actually write it. So I need plot points. I need the direction from where I am starting to where I am going, not to the end, but like usually a few scenes or chapters. And once I have that direction or like feeling sense of direction, the plot usually changes entirely. But that's okay. I think the direction is more for me as a writer to feel like this is going somewhere. I'm not, you know, flailing. Um, and yeah, that gives me the, um, the structure I need to keep writing, but also the sense of creative freedom. Because like you, Melanie, I will rewrite like pieces of the plot line because I've changed stuff so that they won't work. So I'll write a bit, make plot points, write a bit more, revise the plot points because they don't work anymore, write a bit. On, on, on. <clears throat> and on. And as I said at the opening, I am. I started off as a pantser, became a plotter, and then went back to pantsing for a little while, for a long while, and then had to go back to plotting because the things I deal with outside my writing life were I wasn't able to touch a story for a good 10 months at a time. And if you're pantsing that, you lose track of exactly where you're going with it. But I found one thing with when I pantsed my stories is my first draft, actually, if you really sat back and looked at it, was the plot. And it was from there, from all the revisions, that I really began my writing. Yeah, I actually have a question for all you pantsers out there. Um, so I have a very good layout of all my subplots in the terms of, you know, I see how they weave through the book. And I'm curious for you pantsers out there, how do you keep track of your subplots? Is it something you go back through on a second draft, third draft, and take a look at? You know, because how are you adding in those elements of the subplot and little, you know, little tidbits here and there along the way? Is it just you're keeping it in your mind and keeping it running through? Well, in answer to that, at least in part, I think that another way of saying pantser and a more pleasant and polite way <laughs> is to say organic. Yes, like I'm an organic writer, and I think that if you create some characters that are interesting to you, they will often say, hey, let's go this way. And they will say, I don't want to go that way. And they will force you to go in some direction or another. I think you run into, I'm sorry, I think you run into that a lot with another plotter out there that's, that's very famous is Agatha Christie. If you read her stories, I love her stories, but her piece, her characters move like chess pieces because she forces them to follow that plot. Yeah, I want to, in defense of those of us who do plotting, um, just because we have an outline doesn't mean that we're strictly following that outline. Um, I would say that uh, some of the pantser strategies I've heard, especially you two hybrid pantsers, 
uh, you sound like you're halfway toward writing yourself an outline. That you're doing the same thing, maybe not quite to the, the length that I like to do, but that I do. I need to know uh, what stop I'm going to get off on mm-hmm. on the subway to get to the next conflict. Now, how what happens on the subway there may be subject to change, but that plot point is important. Because the plot point is going to shape the way that the characters think and move. And I've had characters tell me before, uh, I'm not going over there. And there's no way you can. And that's the fun part to me. The fun part to me is finding a solution within the world and within the mindsets of the characters that will still get them to that point. Not necessarily, oh, but you're going anyway. I had one story I wrote where they were riding a plane into a foreign country. And this country hated them. Hated them desperately. And my main character said, why am I doing this? And then, you know, steadfastly refused to go in. And I had to write, I was a much younger writer at the time, so I actually wrote what I call a bamboo trap scene. (laughs) Where the plot's going along, it stopped dead, fell on a bamboo trap, got stuck on some sharpened sticks, and had to claw its way back out. Uh, They all sat around in a circle and yelled at the main character until he decided to go to the next plot point. That's not good writing. (laughs) Can we go through all of your um, specifically named do not do these things sometime? I have a feeling I'm going to have to actually make a list of those first. I'm glad I got to throw bamboo traps out there somewhere. Collected them all, put them all in a book. This will happen. Jen's book on writing, coming soon. It's called the bamboo trap scene. Uh, Well, let's see. For how I do uh, well, like subplotting or any other like sub elements. It's subplotting particularly, and, and I say that because main plotting, as you say, it, it can be organic, and you know you're going from here oh, no. to over to there, somewhere over here, you know. But I'm curious specifically on the pantsers because Jen's right. I mean, even as a plotter, my stuff is organic. When I'm creating the my outline, it's not a forcing thing. I'm really thinking about the story. I think about each scene. Now, what happens within that scene, you know, those things, some of that is a thread of the subplot. And I'm curious, for Pantsers, is that something you go back through and check? That those subplot themes are still running through each, you know, part of your story? Or is it you're more focused on the main plot? You might have to go back and fix it afterwards. But uh, usually I'm just like, if I want to see that person again, that subplot again, like, it'll come up. Okay. Or if I feel like, uh, usually I have a fairly good idea of what the world is like okay and uh just if it seems natural for them to come up again then i'll do it and i just i don't worry about like uh i guess spacing it out appropriately you know i'm not like worried like oh this is too much of this i've gone off on too much of a tangent i'm like if i if a tangent comes i let it happen i was going to uh say in response to that question um i think people's subconsciouses are awesome. So I will have the main plot in mind, but characters will come up and situations will come up that I would not have thought about and they will work themselves out in uncannily awesome ways. My um, my friend is a writer, um, MJ King, and whenever I'm talking to her and she says something that has happened in the first draft that she's writing, I'm like, I love your brain because it's not the kind of thing that you can really plan out ahead of time. And for those of us who write chronologically, like, and don't want to feel stifled by an official outline, for me, it's mainly mental thing. I like structure. I don't like feeling caged in, which is why I'm a hybrid. See, I don't feel um, caged in by my outline at all. And I think it's mental. You know, my and so uh, almost to that end, then, is, is this debate 
even a debate, or are we all coming at the stories the same way? Oh, I Just, think some people some us... are definite pantsers, but then the right some writers I've read, professional writers, they put out a lot very fast, and they're pantsing, but sometimes it seems like their plots are. Yeah, but are we all coming at the story, in essence, in the same way? We're looking at stories organically, we're watching them grow, we're watching them move. It's just some of us do this as an outline before we sit down and we actually write it out. And then as we write it out, things can morph and change. Um, To that end, I had a question. Are there subtypes of plotting and pantsing? Is there like a sliding scale? And Mm -hmm. really, is it all just a matter of which steps we take when, but we're all taking the same steps? Like a Kinsey scale thing. Yeah, I'll answer that from from a plotting point of view. One of my literary heroes, Earl Stanley Gardner, um, if you don't know who he is, uh, he wrote Perry Mason. He also wrote under multiple pen names. And this man put out so many novels in a year, I, could bl- I couldn't even blink at it. Um, if you don't know who he is, look him up. But he wrote his mysteries and most of his fiction based on nine questions. He would answer those nine questions, and he would have his main plot that was taken care of. I think he also applied that to his, any of his subplots, the so same type of nine questions. And then you've got, my, you've got my scale, which now what I've gotten to is... I flowchart. I don't just flowchart, okay, in this scene, this is going to happen, and that scene, that's going to happen. I actually, like I used to when I did pantsing, is when I would pants, I was sitting there and I was recording, if you will, what my mind was seeing seeing happening. In the way of flowcharting, that's exactly what I'm still doing. I'm just leaving out all the dialogue and description and all that. I'm still going through of this person, this character is doing X, Y, Z. And then I can go back and answer Brad's question about subplots. I'm able to look at that flowchart very quickly and say, Hey, did I tie up this loose end? Did I tie up this loose end? And if I didn't, or if I see I've suddenly let myself go off of that plot and taken it down a road which makes no sense... Instead of erasing whole paragraphs, whole pages, whole chapters, it's a matter of either moving a simple piece of that flowchart or deleting that flow part of that flowchart, and you're done. Yeah, I, I guess uh, for me, I, I would like to be able to do that, you know, because I think for me it would be a lot smoother. Uh, it did take ten years. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I have tried, but I guess for me, uh, how it works is that the first, the first go through is the first go-through. It's not the book. No. You know, and so the subplots are there, but to make them really work, that doesn't happen until, you know, at least the second time I go through it, if not the third or the fourth or whatever. You know, some of it also has to do with, you know, the feedback that you get from your critique partners or or whatever. Um, But I guess for me, the subplots are like the plot, is that as I'm writing, something will come up, and I just know it's right, and it'll be there like in the book that I'm writing right now, I knew there was an informant because it was critical that there be an informant. I didn't know who that informant was until now. I mean, really? Yeah. <laughs> I still so don't know. So we found that together. That's funny. I still don't know how the book ends. <laughs> so Brad. I think, Brad, I think, Brad, you're a critique partner. I'm waiting to see how this book ends. So, I mean, it's me exciting too. for me, but it's one of those things that, you know, it's like it's a little bit frustrating, a little bit confusing, but... Um, I'm waiting for the characters to tell me how it ends. It's like a path. I, w- I was listening to something about qualitative research, of all things. And uh, that's kind of how you do a qualitative research. It's like you don't come up with the end. You let the research tell you how it ends. And that's kind sure. of how I write, really. I think it would be 
very difficult really to keep my interest if yeah. I knew all of these details and I certainly wouldn't be able to do a good job mm -hmm. of red herrings and mm -hmm. creating a case for each of the different characters as being it. the murderer. Yeah. I have to believe yeah, in myself. Okay. Okay. I do, yeah, and I'm surprised. That's, that's cool. interesting because uh, Fedora, you being a mystery writer, and I, and I know you've heard the same thing as I've heard at different mystery conventions, is mystery writers get accused of being the most plotting uh, creatures <laughs> of this entire writing species. Because we have to be so careful with the rules of the game. And yet, what you just said, it seems to fly, not fly in the face of it, but actually say, uh, no, you're not quite right, you're a little more on this ta ta tangent. I think it has a lot to do also with whether the person really has to make a living writing. True. Because practically nobody does, let's face it. And those Hell, who my dreams. Do, yeah, right, I know. <laughs> those who do have to be writing, if they're mid-list, understand that we're not talking about the 1% of 1% that you say is, is in the millionaire class. Mid-list writers of all kinds have to produce four to six books a year. Yeah. They have to if they're going to live on this kind of... Which means that you've got to be writing a book at the same time as you're doing edits on an earlier book, mm -hmm. at the same time as you're doing galleys on a yet earlier book, mm -hmm. and you have deadlines for all of them. Yeah, that's, that's you different. Got, you can't keep you organized otherwise. It's so much more diligent than yes. I'd like to be. <laughs> Me too. Like, this is what I'm hearing in a lot of this plotting is that there's a lot of diligence. Like, I have mm -hmm. to take care of this subplot. I have to wrap it up nicely because somebody might be looking at it. Where I'm more like, if I'm writing something and, like, a subplot comes up and then, like, it drops out later... I assume it's because I didn't care about it, and therefore nobody reading will care. And it doesn't matter if we wrap, wrap it up. I, you know, I don't care. I don't think anybody else will care, so screw it. Well, answering something that Fedora was just talking about, uh, in terms of my plotting, I actually tend to plot while I'm editing the one book. I'm plotting the next book because editing is such a, a technical skill, and the creative side of my brain starts thinking about future books. And and when we're talking about it, uh, plotting, and this might actually be something to go around and do, um, mine are just bullet points. So my, my outlines are nothing more than maybe two to three pages. Uh, it's bullet pointed. It's what's going to happen in each chapter. And, you know, what, like, the main theme of each chapter, what characters are really showing up in each chapter, the subplots that are going to be in there, anything of note that I have to put in there. Um, for me, because I do steampunk, I'm always trying to include some sort of technology in there, so I'll keep track of that. And that's it. I mean, it's literally nothing more than, you know, a few bullet points per chapter. And then that, you know, the chapters all come out of that. I had something a little more in mind of what uh, Anthony John does. He writes <clears throat> young adult, mm -hmm. and for a, I don't know how long exactly the novel would be, but he says he always writes an outline that's at least 30 pages long, yeah, yeah. and he expects that to be a fourth or a third of the length of the actual book. We just had um, Angie Fox for the SLWG author series for St. Louis Writers Guild, and she is a pantser. But her critique partner is a plotter, and her critique partner creates a 35-page outline for each book. And that outline is the exact book. There's no changes, there's no deviation, there's no nothing. She literally can hand over that outline to an editor, to anyone else, here is my book. And it does not deviate. Whereas Angie Fox is the complete opposite of that. It was just kind of an interesting thing. But yeah, there are people who create these super detailed, I think it's like a page per chapter or at least or something along those lines. 
And along with that, what you were saying about Angie Fox, and we were talking about subplots, going to what you were saying, Matt, about, you know, and nobody's really, if I'm, if I'm not interested in a subplot that no one else really is, Angie has said in multiple conversations I've had with her, and I think she's had in interviews, is that people come back to her on, on things that were throwaway lines or throwaway yeah. characters. They were there, they gone, boom, and everyone's like, but I love that character. What happened to it? You need to bring that character back. She talked about a great one in the interview uh, in terms of a throwaway line from the very first book in the second chapter, maybe the first chapter, Mm -hmm. that was the character didn't like to get on airplanes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, book five comes along, and she wants the character to get on an airplane, and her beta readers started yelling at her, you can't do this. (laughs) You said in the the second chapter of the first book she doesn't like flying. Total thing. It was a great one. Check out the interview. (laughs) Uh, I was going to ask... Everybody, um, how your first drafts and your subsequent drafts <laughs> differ um, when you're plotting versus pantsing. Because, um, Brad, you had asked about uh, subplotting. Mm-hmm. And um, who was it over here that mentioned the kind of skeletal, what you're doing in the first draft is more plot and then you go in and expand? Is that you too? It was, I think Brad. so. <laughs> All right. So, like, of course, of course. <laughs> so, like, okay, for the plotters versus the pantsers, how does the first draft tend to look, and what do you tend to do in your first revision of it? I can answer that for plotting. Um, the I like to have my world very well developed, and my my plotting involves a universe bible where some people have different characters have different lengths of biographies and back histories and all that and i go through and the first draft would be the main character the point of view character in there then i'd go through the story again like i pick another important character and go through the plot like they were the main character and i mean that kind of builds up the subplots organically and a lot of this i do in my head so really, some of these things get, you know, the scenes get written once, not three... T- I mean, they get, re- get, get rewritten a bunch of times. But the point is, I go through in my head with this person as the main character, then as person B as a main character, and very often I sw- figure out who needs to be the main character that way. But um, everyone's the hero of their own story. Mm-hmm. But now, my first draft would end up being the outline of the main plot with all the subplots, and boy, the style is bad. <laughs> but... The bones are all there. Okay. Actually, uh, for second but, drafts, uh, I'll, I have a example of one. Uh, I wrote a story about genitalia that I had Jennifer read. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, for, for, for the record, since obviously this is audio recording and not uh, visual, nobody can see poor Jen for eight shades of red. <laughs> It's really not as bad as it sounds. It's not, no. Isn't but, having family uh, great? Then why are you blushing that way? Because I can't believe you mentioned it. <laughs> well, it's just a good example because I did have you read it and you yes. gave me notes on it. Uh-huh. And uh, there was a conversation in there. She was polite and put a bunch of different notes. But I think she just wanted to circle it and go, this is dumb. <laughs> so what I did to fix it was this was a pretty big section. And I was like, hmm. So I just repantsed it. I deleted the whole thing. All of it. And then I just rewrote it from the beginning. So you pantsed and then repantsed the story. Like, well, <laughs> yes. I can see the You get to work out. I'm climbing up too much. You, got, you were pantsing and then you pulled down those pants and there was another pair of pants. Yes. Awesome. They had double pants. Oh, yeah. these ones are red. Resulting oh, in a awesome. story about genitalia. But I, yes. I can tell you about my failed attempt pantsing. Okay. Um, the characters are getting developed great. 
and the scenes. They're going through their old, their lives and doing things they'd really do in their lives. And the subplots are kind of coming into it because you find out, oh, this char- uh, my main character's brother wants her to do a favor for the girl that he likes. <laughs> so it's like, oh, that's a subplot. You know, the, the, the girl that the brother is dating and all that. So all the subplots are coming in. And like I said, the pacing is terrible because these are all like real world stories. It's like, okay, I know something exciting happens, but, uh, sorry. Know something, I know something exciting happens, but it is uh, like five, six scenes away the way I'm going. Actually, I had another question. Um, so one of the reasons why I love being this kind of doing this kind of plotting is that when I actually sit down to write the chapter, I've already thought about it. I already know everything that's going to happen in that particular scene, so it just flows out of me. And I don't have to sit there trying to kind of imagine and think about it right as I'm typing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to that end, it allows me to be a much faster, put mm-hmm. up, oh, produce sure, books yeah. much sure faster. So my question to the pantsers out there is, do you guys have that time of sitting at the computer, thinking about it, kind of staring, thinking about what you're going to do, and then actually starting to type it out? Yes. Or is it just more organic, you just start typing and just let it go? I'm going to answer that from, have, from having been in both camps. I find that when I pants... I actually got bored when I went to the revisions. And I walked away from the story not having the time to go back and rework that story to fix that story because I had a new story that was in my mind to get ready to write and get it out the door. And my level of interest in my first story, which was high when I was writing it, no longer was there. It's like, okay, well, that'll turn into a practice novel. On to the next story. That's my answer. Is part of that because of um, knowing what the conflict is ahead of time? Because no. When because I'm, right now, what I'm what, what I'm writing right now, in my process of writing it right now, is I'm probably doing a 35-page outline. It's a flowchart. Literally, it's a flowchart. It's not one of these bullet point outlines. And I can see the scenes. I see the characters. I see the chapter breaks, though I haven't officially named them. And then I'll lay on top of that. I'll fix that. And I'll fi- then I'll go in and I'll do the dialogue. And then I'll fix the dialogue from each person's point of view. And then I'll do the narration. And then that's the narrator's voice. I'm working with, and then I have to correct that. So it's not so much not having discovered what the conflict and the conflict's over or anything like that. It's more of I see the conflict as I'm outlining it now. I've got it sketched out, and now I'm going to start to paint it and build on that from there. Well, I don't follow that kind of model of the write down the bones and then go back mm-hmm. and fix it 20 times. I follow the Daniel Woodrell model. Okay. Not that I write half as well as he does, but <laughs> I follow that model of I read what I wrote the day before, maybe even earlier than that, and I try to fix it. Okay. And that means that I'm going to read it seven, eight, nine, mm-hmm. ten, a dozen times before I get to the end of the chapter. And then hey, that chapter is done, and I go on to the next one. Okay. So that by the time I'm finished with the book, I'm finished with the book. I send it to a beta reader, or I send it to my critique partner. Okay. And with that, you, with what you said, reminds me of another author, Robert Randisi, who says that what he does is, if Brad, you've heard me, Chris, I know you have, so correct me mm-hmm. if I go off. But he says in the morning he writes that. He writes in the afternoon he's editing what he just wrote. That he also says he doesn't edit. Yeah, no. He just writes and says it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he's famous enough he can get away with that. Well, I do kind of a similar process in that I, I will leave myself a starting point. But I also go back um, just to kind of get myself in the mood and, and just reread what I've most recently written. But I usually have, my, I, I usually tend to write complex things. So um, usually I'll have a couple of storylines going and sometimes one will go faster than the other, which is kind of interesting. And that kind of gives me plot points for the other side because they have to mesh. 
uh, and it kind of works the same way if you're writing with historical stuff because I do like to do that and you know there, there you've got a framework as well so you can kind of meld that in so you have a couple of things that can kind of keep you going but uh, mostly it's still just the muse the inspiration that okay. has to hit and, and it, I think it probably does take longer it's my, my oh I'm thinking. sure that it does yeah. <laughs> it's like if yeah. I get a book a year that's wonderful yeah I know I yeah. would say something though also about subplots if you do a series you have a subplot that stays mm-hmm. with you mm-hmm. through each one. Mm-hmm. In my case, it's families and jobs are weird and difficult. Okay. You know, and I have always that if I can't think of anything else. Well, yeah, I don't I'm, have somebody blast through the door blazing guns, but uh, I've got a family story I can tell somewhere. Okay. See, I'm fascinated by this because I, I, I am more of a plotter and... To be honest, when I'm writing this book, I can tell you everything about the book. I can tell you the, the front side, the back sides, the, all the sides, the ups, downs, the lefts, and the rights. And to be honest, for me, and for a lot of you have said that this is scary to you or you don't like that, you know, you lose interest. For me, knowing all of that is how I can tell this story. Mm-hmm. Because until I knew that, then I'm, then I'm, I'm laying I'm, you know, in front of my computer and I'm just kind of staring off into space wondering exactly how these characters are going to interact. So... For me, having that and knowing exactly what I need to say in this chapter, what characters are going to be there, how the character is going to grow in this chapter, all that kind of stuff. Having that, just sitting down, allows me to just get that chapter out. So I'm fascinated by you guys. (laughs) We actually had this conversation earlier um, before we started recording. Just the the idea of editing versus writing uh, and the different natures of of us, whoever was participating in that conversation. Um, as I'm a plotter, but I'm also a reviser. I come alive when I'm revising, when I'm in the thick and I'm, I'm carving a path through all these errors and making it all knit together, all nice and pretty. And some people don't like their stories to end with a bow, but I love a big bow on the end that all the stuff comes together. And then you have that, aha, I understand everything moment. So that's where I have fun. So pantsing to me is robbing myself of the chance to see all those little lines happen. So Mm -hmm. I love plotting because I love looking at the whole thing and going, Ooh, this leads to that. And then to this, Ooh, and then I can pull this in this way. Oh, this is so much fun. As opposed to sit down and just write nothing, uh, it's fine for a short story. I can do that, but it's not nearly as much fun as it is to to actually be in the wheels. And, yeah, see, I have a greasy. I have a subplot in my story that the reader is never going to know about it unless the sequel gets written. <laughs> but all the little hints are laid down, so if the sequel ever gets written, they'll go back and read. It's like, ah, oh, that is true. <laughs> she, you know, <laughs> Jennifer, what you said reminds me a bit of um, how I, I guess, I perceive mysteries being written or not written necessarily, but when you're reading a mystery, you go along with the author and part of the wonderful thing for me as a reader is seeing how it all ties together, how the author managed to take so many disparate things and tie it up in a bow. That's amazing. I am not good though at doing that when I'm writing. For me, I need to have some element of mystery. Otherwise for me, the story is already, it's done. I don't, I don't know how you guys know everything I wonder if it's a personality thing almost in the same way in the sense of like how we all deal with mathematics there are people well well, there are people who can who can add parts together to build something and there are people who can take a something and break it apart and it's really we have two you know two ways of thinking about this and I'm wondering Mm -hmm. because it sounds like pantsers are more in the let's build something together until we have a whole and plotters are more let me take the whole and break it down into little parts well, with that, 
um, Teresa mentioned a little while ago what her Myers-Briggs was. Yes. I know my Myers-Briggs. Does everybody else in, around this table know their Myers-Briggs? I'm just curious yes. first off. Yes. But I'm duality, so mm, I, I claim no. too. Actually, actually, <laughs> I, actually I am too. Okay. Oh, um, I've had it done, but I don't remember what it was. Okay, if you remember where it is and you wanted to share, well, I'm just going to go around the table real fast. I'll start off with myself. Say what you are, plant, plotter or pantser. And for everyone, we don't, I don't think we ever defined what, where that term pantser came from. It means flying by the seat of your pants when you write. Identify if you're a plotter or pantser and then identify your uh, Myers-Briggs. For myself, I am a plotter. I am an INTJ by borderline with ENTJ. Uh, I'm a pantser and I have no idea about okay. that. <laughs> um... I'm a plotter. I don't remember what that was at all. I am more of an introvert. Uh, I'm I'm a plotter. I'm an ENFJ. That okay. would be an extroverted feeling with introverted intuition. Mm-hmm. Oh, sounds like a recipe. I'm a plotter, but I don't remember the exact numbers. I just remember it was Yoda on the Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I don't <laughs> Maybe that's the test we should be looking for. Yes. What were you? Oh, I'm Yoda. He's Yoda. I'm Ben Kenobi. Go ahead. And I'm a pantser INFP, and that P is the one that gets you this, mm-hmm. you know, going with the flow. Well, I am a hybrid, and I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. You refuse to be labeled. Yes, there you go. Yes, okay. if, you, if you want to. I'm trying to remember, because I was on the cusp. I think it was, um, I'm an INFJ or an INFP. I was close to 50-50 for that one for me. Mm-hmm. And I am a hybrid. I plot and I pants. So Roy doesn't, just at least using Myers-Briggs, or those of us who know it, doesn't sound like it's defined, that, at least not that way. <laughs> but that was a fun exercise. What other Facebook quizzes can we take? Science can we had to have an oh, experiment. I do know I'm in House Slytherin. I took that test. Oh, I'm Ravenclaw. Ooh, Ravenclaw. I'm a Ravenclaw. <laughs> You're probably, I'm okay. going to guess you're a Hufflepuff. I, I too am a Ravenclaw. I'm Iron Man. What's your Teresa, you had said earlier... I got Thor, that, actually. I was totally stoked about Enough, it. enough, enough. <laughs> Teresa, earlier you mentioned that when you were in school, your teachers would have you, when writing essays, mm-hmm. turn in the outline and then do the essay, and you had to do the reverse because that's how your brain worked. I hated having to do that. Hated it. Peter Elbow has a book called Writing Without Teachers, and it wasn't until I was in college that a teacher introduced that to me, and suddenly, like, writing papers was more to the way I think. He has it so you write, um, you free write, and then you reread that, as as, um, a bunch of us tend to when we go back to our writing the next day. Free write, reread, kind of figure out what points you thought were most interesting, and free write, reread, points were interesting, and eventually... Um, you go through and you have this essay that is very organic and very much the way you think, but it may be worlds away from where you thought you were mm-hmm. at the beginning. Like, your point could be entirely different. And that works for me. The outlining, knowing exactly where you're supposed to go, is so constricting for me because if I knew that, I'd have written it. Exactly. I hate outlining ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Not the way they liked. Yeah. Direction is good. How do you meet the page requirements like that? Um, well, I didn't do that for my high school writing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it works really well with personal essays, but that's what I've used it for. For writing research papers, what often happened is you write the outline, then you write the paper, you find out this whole section never actually comes up in your writing, so then you change the outline to match the paper. Mm-hmm. So you do actually yeah. turn in the outline first, because they don't give you enough time to write the whole paper mm-hmm. first, and then you turn in a revised outline with your paper. It sounds like a lot of us change the outlines as we oh, go, yeah. whether we are plotting or hybrid 
Yeah, going back to change things, I think, is inevitable. Because even if, you know, like, I'm a dedicated pantser, but uh, even if, like, I go on ahead and something comes up and I'm like, oh, I should probably do this differently than how I thought I might, and then I have to go back and change things. But I don't, I mean, I feel like that's uh, necessary for how I work. Well, it's the organic quality of writing. I mean, you're going to change as you put the words on the page as you all have talked about, you know, the character's going to speak to you, the scene's going to speak to you, the setting's going to speak to you. Something's going to speak to you, and it's going to morph it and change it. I mean, as I've always joked, I outline, but the story I write is never the same as the outline. Never. So, like, it's a travel itinerary? Yeah. You go into this place. Mm-hmm. I haven't been there before. That's Here's exactly the plan, what it is. And then yeah. you get there, and it explodes, and you revise the plan, and you go. Yes. Yeah. And it turns out you took a little detour. Even if you got to the same place, the path was different. Exactly. And you like yeah. where you went up. Well, in that case, it doesn't matter if you're a plotter or a pantser. It doesn't sound like it. Mm-hmm. Except for it does matter to agents in the sense that they want to see an outline. Yeah, your editor will want to see an outline. Then you can do the cheating Maybe. method. Then you can do cheating method. <laughs> Yeah, or as in writing an outline really and not following do, it. Yeah, exactly. Thank mm-hmm. you. Or do the real cheating method of that. Um, what <laughs> Melanie said. I don't know. I've done that with people, and they tend to get pissy if they're you know, uh, the agent type. I have a question for the pantsers before we go. Um, when I'm writing, I have the plot points for direction. Do you guys ever get to a point in a longer story where you're pantsing, yes, but you know kind of where the story's going. So whether or not you've written it down, you're like, we're going to be stopping by point, like, L or something. And Uh, you're on point. Well, the thing is, like, uh, I'm not thinking too hard about the future, but I do remember the past, like, while I've written so far. And as, uh, as you write, it closes down possibilities one by one until you reach your ending. Well, that's like, uh, it's kind of one of, I wanted to say about, uh, pantsing, like, I know nobody's, like, well, nobody said anything along these lines, but I'm not pantsing because I'm, like, too lazy to do an outline or anything. No, no. Yeah, I know nobody was saying that, but my point is I pants, like, deliberately as a, uh, as a specific outlook because I don't want to mess with my own ideas too much. I have this, I have this idea that it's, like, it's back here somewhere, and they're in this pure, raw form. And as they come down and you, they come out on paper and you work them out, they lose some, a lot of that glimmer over time and uh i just try to keep as much of it as i can which means doing as little as possible you try to honor the story flowing through you instead of tinkering it with it as so much as you're right okay i don't want to i don't want to mess do too much trust the force <laughs> yes i mean story trust the story Trust, Trust the, the story. Yoda. Trust, Trust the news. Trust the news. So to steal from John Le Carre's novel title, in this case it is Tinker, Plotter, and Pantser. <laughs> okay, and on that note, thank you. And check us out for next week at Right Pack Radio. You can find us on the web at Right Pack Radio on, on Twitter or Right Pack Radio on Facebook or find us on Blog Talk Radio slash Right Pack Radio. Thank you. Theme songs for Right Pack Radio were written and performed by Meredith Tate. All copyrights remain with her. Right Pack Radio would like to thank STL Books for allowing us to record in their office. STL Books is an online bookstore specializing in new and used high-quality literature, children's books, and books written by or about St. Louis. Please visit them online at www.stlbooks.com 
or find their store on the Amazon.com website.